Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohen, the executive editor-in-chief critic, joined as always by Ian Thompson, our editor-at-large. Last time we recorded, it was the middle of the night in Cannes. Now it's a slightly saner Friday afternoon, and I'm back in New York, and Anne's in Los Angeles. We're gradually acclimating to some semblance of normalcy. Anne, how are you holding up? I'm a little bit losing steam. I, I, you know, I was, I, I you know, it's a, you, you, I got up at like seven in the morning with David Ehrlich and we left and took a, an Uber to um, the, the uh, Nice airport and we each flew to Paris and then we lost each other and he went off to some other connection and I um, ended up on an 11 hour flight. And, and as I was, as we were landing and I didn't get much sleep on the flight cause it was all day. It was a day long thing. Um, you know, you, you're, you're just heading into, into the daylight the whole time. And I ended up saying to the woman next to me, oh, I'm just going to go to bed as soon as I get home. And she says, then you're going to get up at 3 a.m. And I went, no, I'm so tired. How ominous. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I hate how people predict that. <laughs> I always try to trick myself. I pulled an all-nighter. The day, I left the day before you guys, and I pulled an all-nighter, so I passed out on my flight. And then I woke up and was still super disoriented, but I was like basically trying to block it out as long as possible. So the last few days, I've been in this sort of manic mode where I'm like sort of in denial about the fact that I traversed the globe and stayed in can mode by basically continuing to watch movies, following the buzz, texting with people who are in, you know, a totally different time zone, realizing sometimes they're out partying because it's like evening for me and I'm getting texted back from people. But that's sort of the insanity of it is that we were swept up in this crazy can experience. And what's been so, I think, gratifying about it is that the movies have really delivered i mean i maybe it's you because were, i took uh, a year it, off but you were generally a little more positive than i was i thought I was it was a really good review. year so i'm there right and i'm reading your reviews of the movies i've i'm seeing and you had seen a lot of them ahead of time so sometimes you had you you were some like of the bigger body ones dying yeah. around while i was rushing to to, <laughs> to see the the movie it's all French strategy Dispatch or whatever but um people should not think that you write those reviews you know in two minutes because you don't but um, well some of them are two minute reviews and some of them are two week reviews it's all it all depends on how things work out on the ground but the ones that the ones that you that i really just i i really couldn't understand why you gave french dispatch such a gentle kind and loving review because i was so bored eric i just sat there there was one you know it's, it's the danger of the anthology film is that it doesn't grab you with some com a compelling narrative unless the people involved are very very clever so wes wes anderson has these incredible actors and these delightful sets and these amazing camera shots and these amazing moves through space and everything. It's all very elaborate and expensive. And, and yet you're, you're like, mm-hmm. Well, everything that you, everything you just described is why I was never bored by this movie. In fact, I found that everything about it that was satisfying was pure distilled Wes Anderson whatever you want to call it, whimsy, the kind of the, the iron, I the ironic tone, right? It was, it was a very fun movie, but I also thought it was a very complex uh, assemblage of little stories. These vignettes of sorts, these little New Yorker-ish 
stories are all very different from each other. And I found them all very gratifying in their own kind of way. I didn't need the kind of broader narrative arc for them to sink in. And I thought that there was something almost kind of new wavy about the, the kind of experimentation he was doing here. I and mean, this is a filmmaker who is so confident now with his mode of sto storytelling that he doesn't necessarily need to be telling the same story for two hours. And I thought there was something very liberating about that, as well as the ensemble that he's assembled. Now, it, it isn't as overall satisfying as Grand Budapest Hotel, which is probably Not his most all. sophisticated work. Absolutely. But I think in small doses, it's very it's a very satisfying piece. So Budapest Hotel got like nine Oscar nominations and four wins, and they were all in the craft category. So this is sublimely executed. I mean, there's no question that it's gorgeous. gorgeous. So so I think that you could see, you know, Alexandre Desplat uh, repeat or or production design or, or cinematography or or uh, hair and makeup, that kind of thing. Uh, my favorite episode was the one with Benicio Del Toro, who's on a roll because he was so delightful in the Steven Soderbergh movie that was at Tribeca as well. And, and it's one and of the many Lea Seydoux films at Cannes this year. She's she's pretty there great. Four in this of them, sort of and this. the poor woman Four. was stuck in Paris because she got COVID. <laughs> Here yeah. we all are testing every two Apparently days. she's fine, thankfully. She but... seems to be fine, but she <laughs> she missed the opportunity to go up the, the red carpet all four times, you know. Well, um, I feel her pain only in that I have no spit left to give because we've been, it feels like a distant memory as soon as you're out of it, but we've been, we've been tested so many times over the last couple of weeks. So it's, it's no surprise that there were some aspects of can that felt the, the impact of, of the weirdness that we've been all living through, but the films but really, we all I mean, had to figure it out. We had to keep the timing right. I mean, I had breakfast with Michael Barker of Sony pictures, classics who had mothering Sunday, which I enjoyed, um, with Josh O'Connor, um, which is, is, is delightful. And then, and then, uh, which I liked more than you and David did. Yeah. Um, and then Eva Hussan. I was, directed... uh, I mean, no, no, no diss to, you know, some of the craft involved in this movie, but, uh, you know, that, that one probably bored me a bit more than, uh, <laughs> than the French dispatch. So it's a sliding I just, scale. I just but... dove into that, that sort of, uh, Downton Abbey-ish, uh, universe, but, um, the other, uh, but he, he had to go get a rapid test for, uh, because he had a meeting at the Palais and then he had to get a PCR test because that was required in order for him to show up at the Danish pavilion. <laughs> So oh god yeah everybody had to think in those terms well my my ridiculous moment that i had was we we had a lovely cocktail event on a rooftop and and that was from 6 to 8 p.m and it was great to see all these these american indie people who showed up for it sean baker like you said michael barker and michael covino who's ahead the of the can ed, ed pressman ed pressman yeah. was there ted hope producer. was there newly liberated from amazon i mean he's been gone tom for a Quinn while from neon tom Quinn, all the, all the gang was all there. Annette, and there was a, Nicolette uh, Eisenberg from uh, yeah, the, exactly. We had the full, so it was a great little evening. And then my Matt plan was Gentler. to sort of <laughs> exactly. We we did cover the full range, and then so the my evening plan was sort of like perfect, right? We have the six to eight p.m. thing where everybody comes to us on this rooftop, and then I'm gonna slide right into the Mia Hansen love movie that was on the calendar for like. 10.15 or 10.30, something like that. Well, turns out there was a 10.15 and a 10.30. I had my my 
test had not my, I had not gotten my test results in time to go to uh, the 1030 screening in the Palais, which happened to be the ticket I had requested. There was a 1015 screening in the Debussy where I didn't actually need a test result. So I had those two. I <laughs> didn't have a ticket. So all of a sudden I'm scrambling, texting all of these people about who can get me a ticket to these things. And then I realize, oh, I can just cancel my ticket to the one in the palais and get a new ticket to the did other one that? and i did it and i was fine but by the time Wait, i did yeah. that all these people were scrambling to get me tickets oh no so I that was that was a can i mode. kept having glitches <laughs> with my app i mean it, it's sort of like halfway through the festival magically the the ticket that was supposed to show up at the bottom of the email all of them showed up after they hadn't yeah. been there and i had to scramble every time it was a juggling the, act right the, set, the, the 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 uh website to find it but, anyway it was it was a real can moment for me too because it was one of those things where i was like somehow something you know i had the perfect plan and somehow something had to go crazy and like i'm like rushing and all sweaty from the heat to go see a quiet two-hour movie about a couple that traveled to Faroe yeah, island, to island work is their one problems. of my favorite films it's one of the ones that's at the top of my list um i think it and i think mia hansen love man what a what a remarkably subtle and intricate filmmaker when it comes to the you know the details of relationship you're drawn into this idea this meta movie of two filmmakers who are telling their story while well, one of their films telling is part hers. Of it. yeah he's not telling his uh tim roth well he's trying to write a movie too right we so just don't see it. There's two movies that go together or here. It. It's sort of interesting. Yeah. Bergman's Island is very, it's sort of auto-fictional in the sense that that she, um, Mia Hansen-Love was married to Olivier Asayas and he was older and more um, quote-unquote uh, lauded and accomplished, you know, and experienced. Right. And so she was in a sort of catch-up mode, that, which is what this movie's about. It's about the same thing. Yeah, and, it's very you know, explicitly so based on that. so confident. It all seems so easy for him. And she's trying to, she's struggling. And then we see her version of the story that she's telling with Mia Wasikowski yeah. and, and this guy, Dan... Uh, uh, Anders Danielson Anders Lee. Anders Danielson Lee, who's also in The Worst Person in the World, The uh, Walking Trier, which is also about a woman who's involved in a relationship with a guy yeah. who's more accomplished than her a lot of met plays yeah a lot of meta movies there's also souvenir part two which is uh the continuation of joanna hogg's story which is also also turns on on to into itself in a way it turns turns back on itself and becomes a movie about a movie so there's something in there obviously about that and that can get a little navel gazing in the wrong hands but these are all actually really strong film. I look forward to catching um, up. So what's yeah. going to happen is, you know, I saw a lot of movies. You saw a lot of movies. Well, you're catching up. I'm catching up. I have some links, but we can also have the luxury. We are very lucky people to go to Telluride. Oh, by the way, I had to get my uh, vaccination form in to Telluride too. Yes. There, there will be no spitting in the mountains of Colorado. No, Telluride is basically just like prove that you're vaccinated. Thank you very much. Yes. So we there, need to get there's a PCR that test to, to get back into the country, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And as and as we show our vaccine proof, we will be probably also very knowledgeable about a lot of films that we saw at Cannes that will be back in the conversation because it does seem likely. I mean, what what you know, the Oscar conversation is, is one piece of it, but it does seem likely that a lot of these films are going to continue to have a life on the festival circuit because absolutely as I said, it was a very strong year. And and I think from 
you know, the films that we've talked about to some of the others that we should, th these are films that, that I think, you know, the, the fall festivals are going to want to bring back into the conversation. Like, for example, Red oh, Rocket, right? Before Sean Baker's that, movie. though, I just want to say The Walking Tour did get picked up finally by Neon. Oh, by Neon. It was kind of a weird, it was a weird thing yeah. that it hadn't been picked up yet. Um, go go when, ahead. When, no, it's, it's a good point. So Neon ended up with like three movies in competition, just like IFC. And then, so A24 has Red Rocket. Now, this was Sean Baker's first film in competition, and uh, it's an incredibly strong movie. I think every one of his, I mean, I've seen all of Sean Baker's films. If you go back to Takeout, each film he's made has built on the next one in a very specific way. He saw it. I love what he did. Really he took 16 millimeter film and he took it to the ugliest city in, in Texas. Quote yeah. unquote, Texas City. <laughs> Unbelievable, and and he made it beautiful in his own way. It's a donut shop, uh, you know. But there, but but there are these iconic shots of 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 this sort of hideous landscape, and and this porn star, uh, Simon Rex. <laughs> <laughs> who we do get to see uh, running naked at one point to establish. I think his name vibes. in the movie is, is or his porn name is, is Mikey Saber XXX Correct. or something Correct. like that. Right. Correct. So that Correct. that's going to be a thing that people will remember. I mean, it's, uh, it's fascinating because it definitely is not a character you're rooting for, but I think no. what's, what's exceptional about the way the movie unfolds is that you're so drawn into his dilemma. Obviously, people will say, well, it's like the guy in Uncut Gems, right? But I actually think this this movie... This is, isn't as noisy as that. It's not. It's And in some ways, it's you don't realize quite how awful this guy, like Uncut Gems, it was all out there from the get-go that this guy, this guy was pretty bad, but this one- No, you're rooting for him to yeah, become his best self while right. you watch him become his worst Completely self. Completely Right in front of your right. eyes. Yeah, and I think what's, so when Baker did the press- careerism and narcissism trumps, as it were, yeah. whatever potential right. he might have. Because it's set in 2016 and there is some Trumpy stuff there, but- it, it's not a political film in an overt sense either. I mean, it really is very specifically a character study about someone who is sort of, you know, almost like doomed to fail no matter what he does. But I also, it was interesting, Baker in the press conference was saying, you know, I think I'm gonna get a lot of hate mail for this one. I think you can actually trust people even in today's very charged climate to understand that depiction is not endorsement. And this is a movie that people will actually really appreciate because it walks that line so carefully it's willing to go there it's not just a a can phenomenon so one of the we'll things see. i loved about the way this was written is that this guy um he keeps boasting to this young girl uh, about his porn career and talking about the adult film industry and it's like you're talking to someone talking about hollywood it's the same thing where he's talking about the lingo and he's got all the uh, the details of the different awards he won and everything but it's the it's the adult film industry and i just found that very amusing he wants there's a to recurring, get back yeah, he can't help himself he has to a, discover this young girl and yeah, get yeah. Her back you know yeah yeah there's a recurring joke in the movie about how he won some prizes for best oral and everyone's yeah, like yeah, yeah. And he's what did you actually do for it yeah, 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 <laughs> that's yeah, like yeah. the i never really thought about that before so but there's a lot of kind of doomed anti-heroes or well people who seem like they're well-meaning and then they make a slight decision that kind of screws sing up things up matt we got damon the, in Stillwater. still water another good one yeah and then in that the sense. hero the guy in the hero is oscar farhadi's trying thing. so yeah. hard to do the right thing and then they and, and and redeem themselves and then they fuck up 
Yeah, so the Farhadi film is fascinating. That's an Amazon movie that, that came into the festival, obviously, with a lot of anticipation. We found out uh, at the press dinner that we went to um, right, right before we recorded last week's episode that Farhadi was actually going to be on the can jury last year. And then uh, when he was invited for this one, uh, it turned out that he would rather have a movie. And now we know why, because this is a very strong example of what he does I think it's, best. It's, it was a huge, uh, a huge contender for the Palm d'Or. We'll, we'll, we're, we're, we are recording we're in the past. this the day before. You know. <laughs> but but the thing is, yeah, he's got he's got a couple Oscars and stuff, so a Palm wouldn't be that surprising. But when we're, whatever happens there, I think what would it be what's... the Iranian submission for sure. Yeah, for yeah, definitely. I mean, it, and notably, he walks that line well, where he is not super critical of the government. This is a very personal story about a guy who seems to be doing the right thing, and then ends up. It's almost like Capra esque. He gets swept up into this very specific Meet set John of circumstances. Doe is what it is. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so I think that that's certainly one that uh, to watch, and just in terms of you know the kind of life it'll have in the fall season, but. If there's one can experience that we all have to 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 admit was like the can movie to write home about, it's not any of this stuff. We let, let's not kid ourselves. This was like the. I mean, everybody was excited about the neon. Very smartly put out a a, a very exciting trailer and you know like right before the festival, and you couldn't really tell what it was about. But even now, it's like kind of hard to tell people what it's about. A woman who is both sexually attracted to cars and poses as a young man to go undercover because she's a serial killer. And that's not a huge spoiler because a bunch of other stuff happens. But man, Julia DeCarnot after Raw really followed up on the promise of that movie. So it's she sets wild. up this extraordinary, you know, exotic dancer who uh, has a, a much more erotic uh, relationship to a car. Uh, that's what makes her get off uh, than than anybody in, in real life. In fact, the people who approach her for sex, she she kills basically, and yeah. and, and she's we're going along with that for a while, and then when there's this extraordinary pivot, she has to save herself uh, and go undercover uh, as uh, in this other identity. She's in this relationship with a father played by the great Vincent Landon, who, who's a, a Belgian actor, amazing actor, perfectly cast. Very different. Usually he does see, we, yeah, we usually see him in these, um, like Stefan Brise's film Measure of a Man. I think he won Best Actor for he that. He won Best he, Actor like for these that. Sort of, these social realist kind of things. And this movie is like totally bonkers. He gets it's what a he's very to different do. direction. He's totally on. Yeah. So she's, yeah, he's like injecting steroids into his ass and, and you know. Yeah, but he's really he's, built he, up. But she, this filmmaker knows exactly what she's doing. It's so well written. It's so well directed. It's so thoughtful about gender identity and politics and dynamics in a family. And I ended up, you end up, uh, rooting for this character who clearly had not been loved at all and yeah. and was now experiencing real love for the first time and what 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 that was doing to her but it's and, never and there's explicit. a whole other dimension that we're not yeah. even mentioning because I mean, you it's have a, to see the film yeah i mean like the 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 queerness of this movie is something that is 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 fascinating to watch kind of unfold because there's nothing stated explicit you have to experience it in terms that's of right. what people look like and behave yeah film yeah that's true cinema and that's what was so exciting about it and i, and I can't wait to see what kind of a life it's so it, unexpected it now you have been i'm sorry we're, I, we're just gonna have to get into this you have been so um uh 
uh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't do that. You have been so positive that Tatang had a, a shot at winning uh, the Palme d'Or. We'll find out shortly if that, if what it wins. It'll Why win would something. I think that? So let, let's break it up. Why, Why would I think would it would win that? something? Because, because it's so I improbable. Think, <laughs> I, well, I don't, I don't think it's improbable. But, but I also win a big prize, like directing or know, screenplay. I think that can in and and awards and Oscar season are very similar to me in that I sprinkle a certain de- a level of analysis with wishful thinking, right? And some some synthesis of that is is what ends up on the on the surface. And I think you know, obviously, I think that would be it would be wonderful for a movie like this to win the Palme d'Or. I also think that visionary you can't discount a visionary film that is it takes a lot of bold creative risks as being something that a lot of people are excited about most people i talked to at can were excited about this movie it's not always the most obvious kind of accessible drama that takes the prize i mean weird stuff wins jury so you have to look at the jury and you have to figure out this year there are more women on the jury there are more um uh, uh, it, it is a, a diverse jury. It is led by Spike Lee. That Filmmakers and actors. That a movie like Lingui, the from Africa, yeah. by Harkoon or or something. Harun, yeah. Uh, might might do well or La Fracture or The Divide. Yeah. Uh, which I hear Spike really liked. Yeah, Spike really liked that, and he well. definitely really liked Lingui, the the Sacred Bonds from Muhammad Saleh Harun, and. I, I thought that was Harun's best film. I mean, that it. I would say that there's. He's you been know, bidding to become the new Simbeni of of Africa for a long. I mean, time. whatever film. Well, and he's from Chad, and there are very few Chadi and filmmakers whose work travels anyway. And and this is probably his strongest film in a lot. I mean, I I've only seen Harun's films because of Can. I mean, I remember seeing Grieger's a few years ago and A Screaming Man, and these are very solid dramas. This one is his first to really focus on women, and it's it's got that the same sort of sort um appeal and to some degree of four months three weeks two days and that it's about someone who needs an abortion in a society that's sort of built to 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 uh, to stop that from happening uh but it's sort of, so it's sort of a survival movie of sorts with this mother and daughter and it's very emotionally involving so something like that could Actors certainly win as well yeah like I, I mean that. i and and That's what look I'm trying to tell you every year i have the same argument with you you didn't think <laughs> that that the ken loach that's well, every year you cite the win. ken loach thing because no, that was the and, one and time D, no one thought deepan would, would win These i did are. think deepan would win it, because it, i was in the room when deepan played compelling yeah i mean and and deepon was also a, a ambitious movie as well i mean it had this wild action sequence climax that nobody saw coming so you know it wasn't a totally square piece of dramatic storytelling so that sometimes something like that can break through i mean blue's warmest color was not a very i mean it it took some creative risks as well so stuff breaks through i mean it, it, and it's so arbitrary is uh, I think we were talking about before, and David Lynch gave it to the pianist. So that was not a very David Lynchy movie. So it's really, it's really hard to to say. But I honestly, at the end of the day, I'd be happy if any of those movies won, or if Drive My Car won, which is this so uh, sad really story compelling. Of Penn story. Is that in order to go to that lovely rooftop party you were describing, I had to leave Drive My Car. It's a three-hour movie, so I had gone about an hour and a half 
into it when did I did you like what you saw it. because that feel, an I hour and a half is just barely past the opening it. credits I mean I, I I loved what I saw and I can't the credits run like 40 where, minutes into that movie this, I but it's, know. This it's, is, it's an incredible piece of storytelling it's a very very but that's a story by the way that the jury again another like Bergman Island it's another story that's very much about the world of filmmaking and and writing and acting yeah production of Uncle Uncle Vanya and they yeah. could, the way he uses Uncle Vanya in, in the car is just amazing. And there's some class dynamics in that movie too. So it's yeah, I've been following that filmmaker for. I mean, the last time he had a movie in Cannes was Asako One and Two, and I remember thinking like he's got that sort of Romarian ability to make dialogue really involving from a filmmaking standpoint. You know, in this case, the the device of the guy in the car listening to uh, himself running lines on this material is a very effective way to kind of it's not purely like you're not just watching a film play there's something cinematic about it but it's still using dialogue as a vehicle for the narrative so very very involving in that respect so i mean all of these movies are really strong like that's what i'm saying i think this was just a really good year there and and as far as i can tell there were not any really obvious turkeys i mean you might i would be say that Annette by... was a turkey although it turned it was mm, like leading that was a delicious leading, turkey from my it perspective was leading the screen, oh my gosh uh, grid for a lot of the time and, and benedetta oh did god well on that don't get me started on that screen grid if you look at that screen grid most so of the movies suck it was <laughs> so make off. Never they need to reassess so who's on that thing and something of, of something didn't work out on. there i yeah. couldn't agree more uh yeah so basically, the two movies that were, were the most fun to talk about were the most divisive, and that was Annette and Benedetta. I got in some great arguments on both of them. Yeah, and, Ben and uh, Dennis, you had, you, had a, you had a fun back and forth with uh, Paul Verhoeven about that, that movie. 82-year-old Paul Verhoeven is, is like ready him. to go down swinging if he, if he yeah, must. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I mean, Benedetta, I had fun watching Benedetta, but it, it is so silly. I mean, it, it is it is like a campy. It's Verhoeven hard to take movie. it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And no, very hard. But I but I enjoyed watching it as a can experience. I felt like so. both Carax and and Verhoeven in some ways were out of touch with how their films would be perceived by audiences. That they were doing what they wanted to do, defiantly so, and and they 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 really didn't recognize how the films would play. But Carax is fine. And, I, and that I mean, made me mad. The Carax, he did not get what the puppet was going to do. People can say they think the puppet was great, but it didn't work. <laughs> and I there thought are it was ways, funny. There are many ways he could have made that work. Um, I, but the thing, the thing about Annette that I think is going to be fascinating is that movie will have a life on Amazon because of that Adam Driver factor. And, and some people will it. like he's it and so some won't. It. There's a lot to it that I think people can... Annette is not... It's not like you know you either love it or you hate it it gets a lot of different sorts of reactions along that spectrum and i think the music really delivers well, part too of it is, so. has to do with the sparks brothers and whether or not you you respond to their music like that opening that. number is fantastic but um yeah. you know the, Shall they, we start? The, the the music starts starts getting uh repetitive after a while it's i enjoy it to I carry it the narrative of the movie in a way that it can't it just doesn't accomplish it well, speaking of riveting narratives, it's too bad you missed out on the new Pichapanguera Safako film because that's a real laugh a moment experience. Pichapanguera has uh, got the got the. the eh, you've given it up. You've given up. This was going to be it. the year. You would a nail it each time. I can do it. That's eh, pretty good. It's beautiful. It's very uncompromising. Um, 
uh, Tilda Swinton wandering the streets of Columbia trying to figure out the source of this mysterious sound she keeps hearing that nobody else can hear. But it it's another one of those sort of mesmerizing big screen experiences where, you know, if I didn't see it in the in that context, it just would have been a harder movie to get into. So I think one of the things that I really took out of being at Cannes this year is like, you really need this kind of festival element to make the case for the way that people create art for the big screen. I mean, it's, there's just no other way to see it without that. I mean, these movies would not have worked if it was an online festival. It's just inconceivable. So that I was a big part of it. I have to say that this year there was this moment where I happened to be sitting right in the middle of, um, of I guess it was the Davis. No, it was the Grand Theater Lumiere. It was the big theater and it was a hero. It was the Farhadi. And that's a movie that is a compelling narrative where you get very caught up in the characters and you get very caught up in what's going to happen next. It's very intricately designed and plotted and executed to perfection. And you felt the whole theater being held in the filmmaker's hands for the whole thing. And it mm-hmm. was riveting and magical. That's what we live for. You can't get yeah. that any other that, way. That, that sort of collective experience that... Because everyone's all, seeing it for the first time. Nobody's yeah, yeah. ever seen these films before. Right? right. Right. Well, and even if it's a even if the movie's not working in the audience, it's like this collective endeavor to try to get into it together that I always find fascinating. Titan was great because I was checking out all the walkouts. Oh yeah, I'm you know, sure. Who who was there? And, yeah. And, yeah. And that experience for that movie. That's going to be that will follow that film wherever it'll continue to have crazy reactions in theaters, no matter where it plays. So, but that you know, was I why I was arguing with you I mean, about about the uh, about the Palm Door. I mean, watch it win, and I look like an asshole. But but they even gave <laughs> Crash um, a special jury prize. You know, they they couldn't. Uh-huh. You know, it, it it the Palm Door is like the Oscar in a certain way. The jury could go and give it to something outrageous if they wanted to, but but. They can't, I don't think. Well, it is a democratic process. Each juror gets one vote. So I guess whatever people see the headline say, just bear that in mind when you hear this. It was a collective decision. It's not like Spike is a dictator and he gets some extra influence or whatever. At the end of the day, they all he get to vote. He has a lot of sway. He, well, the, the, I would be intimidated Coppola, being at the table with him. Coppola but... had a lot of sway in, in the year that, that they forced Crash not to win. You know, that, I just love this thing. idea. I wish we had more festivals where we get really excited about what these, what are these filmmakers who are watching all these, you know, filmmakers and actors, whomever, watching all these movies along with us. Like we're all going to the movies at the same time that they yeah, are. And, and we're all and in the same area, you know, space. I mean, I got yeah. into a, an elevator at the Majestic and Maggie Gyllenhaal got in there with me. I said, hey, Maggie, how you doing? We had a little yeah. conversation. Well, and uh, I think I've mentioned this And then we go before. on our, our merry way, you know. I've mentioned before, and Kleber Mendoza Filho was my jury president for Can Critics Week a few years ago. And it's just funny because, I, I mean, I was talking to him about it and it was like, it's not the same thing when you're watching like one movie a day from a first or second time filmmaker than when it is this, this jury experience is such a crazy all consuming thing. And like, if you accidentally gossip about something at a party, then suddenly everyone's like, Oh, this is what the jury's arguing about right now. It's like, gen- it generates news. And 
outside of maybe Spike and Maggie, most of these people are not used to that kind of intensity. So it really she is. Knew, this, like, she knew what consumed. she couldn't and uh, could, what she I'm sure she was very guarded around say. you, Anne. Yeah, no, we were fine. But she asked me what I was liking. You know, she wanted oh, interesting. to say. Uh -huh. So you may have swayed the conversation yeah. then. That's, <laughs> sure, uh, that's fascinating. Sure. I guess Annette yeah, is screwed yeah. then. One of the best things about Can too, bar none, is just is just looking at the looking at the outfits. I mean, it was summer. <laughs> it was vacation. It was all these women in these beautiful summer dresses and sandals wandering up and down. It was men in shorts. It was you know kids with their families coming back from the beach, um, and and it was also um, you know just uh, beautiful, lovely, uh, balmy outdoor gorgeousness on the Cote d'Azur, you know, it was, it was insane. I mean, I went out to see the Sineum, the, the new uh, theater. Uh, did you get there? Did you get out there? I didn't make it out to any of the, the, yeah. uh, the extra yeah. theaters that we could go That's to. That's where I saw okay. the, the Oliver Stone movie that nobody watched and nobody cared about because it's like Oliver Stone well, goes power back to, to JFK. But <laughs> I watched a documentary nobody else watched on Oscar Micheaux and I was really happy about that in Cannes Classics. So we all found little slots of time to see things that not everybody else was watching so we can go oh, home happy. And then the other thing I was going to say, there's a really, there's also a lot of movies that deal with the internet you know um, and with media identity and 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 how you're um...